0: Good morning, and grace and peace to you. do want to uh, thank everyone who participated in the uh, commodities outreach for the Potter Home. Uh, we had quite a, uh, quite a pile of goods up here for them, and uh, I know they were greatly appreciated, And uh, I think you still have opportunity if you want to give uh, some cash for uh, the uh, perishable items. Is that not right, Mike? All right. So uh, if you want to do that, please feel free to do so. And uh, God bless you, Hampton. Uh, Get to know Hampton. Uh, Offer him your blessings in the Lord for his uh, obedience to the gospel last Sunday evening. And uh, we'll pray with you and for you and work with you. I and mean, you can work with us. Absolutely. Okay, amen. amen. Okay, Don, thank you for the songs. And Mike, thank you for the prayer. Prayer changes things. Amen. I don't know if you believe that. Or you just offer prayers because you think the Bible says to offer prayers. Uh, James 5.16, it's not on your little sheet. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And James goes on to talk there about Elijah. and We're not going to talk about Elijah this morning. We're going to talk about Hezekiah. You know, we tend to believe that. Yeah, prayer uh, prayer changes things. God does things when we pray. But the question is, is it a reality for you? Have you really seen that in your life? That when you pray, God works. That's what this lesson's about. For us to understand prayer, to understand God, to understand ourselves and, if you will, the purpose of prayer and to strengthen our faith in prayer. Prayer has been graciously given us to God, and we say, well, prayer is to communicate with God, and indeed it is, but there's various reasons we uh, we communicate with God, certainly as we've been talking, to find relief for our troubles. That's true. But there's also, we just want to express ourselves to God sometimes, or thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, for... Mike prayed the food, clothing, and shelter. We praise God in prayer. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. That praise needs to come from deep in our hearts, that we want to praise God. We pray God and ask for his counsel and direction. Lord, give me your wisdom, give me your guidance, show me what to do in this situation. We we're talking a little bit about that in the Bible class this morning. To build our faith and trust in God. To realize we absolutely need him for life. Not just on Sunday morning, but day by day in every situation. We need God. We need his blessing. We need his guidance. We need his help. For the righteous man, for the righteous woman, God is the very first one who is sought in times of trouble. I would think that if you had the need and the occasion to dial 911, that while you were dialing 911, you were praying. That is the way it should be. The righteous person believes that God can and will change things for the better. We believe that. So we want to look at Hezekiah, Second Kings. And Helen, don't get all nervous there. See, we got three whole chapters in Second Kings, and we're not going to read all that. It's just, but I encourage you this afternoon or this evening to read those three chapters and get the whole story about Hezekiah and these two prayers that he offered to God. We are going to look at 2 Kings 18 starting in 1. Just uh, First of all, I want to look at Hezekiah the person. We saw the, uh, or heard the scripture there from James 5 about the righteous man, the prayer of the righteous man avails much. Hezekiah was a righteous man. Now it came about in the third year of Hosea, the son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, became king. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. That's a great accolade there. He removed the high places, broke down the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah. He also broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it, and it was called Nehushtan. Uh, it shows he's getting rid of all the idols and the things that the, the people should not have been worshiping. He was devoted to God. But then let's notice verses five and six. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, not in these idols, not in these other things, not in his money not in the drugs, not in this and not in that. He trusted in the Lord. So that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him. Now that is saying a mouthful. There was no king like him as far as one who trusted in the Lord after him that came to the throne, nor even before him. Now, I'm not sure if that includes David or not maybe we might discuss that for it says for he clung to the Lord he did not depart from following him but kept his commandments which the Lord had commanded Moses that that is a great. praise of Hezekiah I think we can safely say he was a righteous man his actions are placed on the level of David's he was a reformer and as I was preparing this lesson and studying it I'm thinking is that me Is this perhaps one reason why my prayers might not be answered and have not been answered in some situations? Because I am not as devoted to God as Hezekiah was. And I think that's a, a question for every one of us to answer as we wonder about why are my, my prayers getting answered? perhaps you are just not where you need to be in your relationship with god at this particular point it would hinder prayer wouldn't it so it's something for every one of us to consider and as i said myself as well am i do i have that faith in god am i clinging to god am i following god am i striving am i devoted This is the prayer that is answered, the prayer of this man or this woman. So keeping that in mind, there's two situations here we want to look at very briefly in these three chapters. The first one was a national problem that came against Judah, the Assyrian invasion. Moving down to verse 7 there, And the Lord was with him, Wherever he went and prospered, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Assyria was the the big guy on the block at the day. Okay, he was the bully, the bully kingdom, and uh, had overrun everything, and nobody could really stop Assyria. All right, and we see at this point that Judah was already in some way paying tribute to Assyria, and Hezekiah gets uh, feeling strong and he rebels against the Assyrian king. Verse 9, Now in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, uh, son of Elah, king of Israel, Shamaneser, king of Assyria, came up against Samaria and besieged it. All right? So Assyria is asserting itself. It's coming from the north down. Samaria is north of Jerusalem, and it's just taken everything in its path. And so they've come to besiege Samaria and as it goes on to say there in 11 and 12 they overran it and they took the northern kingdom into exile and as it says there because uh, they did not listen to Moses nor follow his word so Assyria is the big guy on the block and he's coming south in the next few verses there 13 to 16 we see that Assyria comes back against Hezekiah And Hezekiah feels he has to pay tribute again just because Assyria is so strong. In verse 15, Hezekiah gave him, meaning the king of Assyria, all the silver which he found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house. At that time Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the doorposts which Hezekiah king of Judah had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. All the riches, he's paying tribute. He's bowing down to the king of Assyria. What we want to understand here, you know, there was no human power that could stop Assyria at this point. There was no other nation. Egypt is mentioned later on, and Egypt has always been shown in the scriptures to be a very poor ally and actually very weak when it came to war. You couldn't count on Egypt. And there was all these other small kingdoms; they were all getting overrun. There was no hope. There was no stopping Assyria. Let's go down to verse twenty-eight. We had the the uh, Assyrians come to the to the wall of Jerusalem. Jerusalem's like the only city left. They've already taken all these other uh, cities of war. These citadels. In Jerusalem, the, the capital is the only city left, and that's where Hezekiah is, and they sent what they call the Reb Sheka. He must be like the general uh, of all the armies or something like that, and he's calling out to them, saying, you need to surrender, you need to surrender because nobody can stop us. In verse 28, the Reb Sheka stood and cried with a loud voice, saying, hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria, thus says the king. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you from my hand. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city will not be given into the hand of Assyria. You know, this is the old spin. We hear this all today, right, in the news. Everybody spins everything their own way. And that's what the Assyrian guy here is saying. You can't trust in Hezekiah. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Go down to verse 33. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Now, while well, that is a true statement, they couldn't stop him. The gods were all idols. Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim, Hinnah, Eva? Have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their land from my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand. He's creating doubt in the people of God is what he's doing. He's looking at the physical situation and saying, we have conquered every other nation and city. Why do you think you can stop us? And that's one of the... One of the pits we fall into when we pray or when we face trouble. Because we think that things are the way they are and they can't change. And that's what the Assyrian Reb was trying to plant in these people's minds. Nothing can change. We are going to destroy you. And that's where the people of God, whether you're talking about you as an individual or as a congregation or as the people of God in the world, have got to stand up against evil in all of its onslaught and say, "Wait a minute, God is our God, and He's over all things, and He can do whatever He wants. He can stop this. We have to believe that. Sometimes we think that backsliders can never return. They're too far gone. Have any in your family that's a backslider and you prayed and prayed and prayed and finally you've thought, well, that's it. See, that's what the devil wants you to think. that It will always be the same and that person will never change. Mike prayed about those with cancer. Sometimes we think the cancer diagnosis is just a a diagnosis of death. Why do we think that? Because it's happened before? Does God not have the power over these things? You see, we just get used to seeing the way things have always been and we think they'll never change. What about a broken marriage? Uh, She'll never come back. She'll never come back. Why do we think that? What about two nations at war for 60-some years. A couple of months ago, we started praying for Kim Jong-un, didn't we? And I'm not saying it's about us, but we did. So we pray that this will happen that this will come to pass for good. Prayer changes things because God is over everything. So there's a brief reprieve here in the first part of chapter 19. I'm not going to read that. Uh, God sent... uh, an army against uh, Assyria, and he had to kind of go deal with that. And uh, so there was a brief reprieve. But then they come back. They come back. And uh, they're at the walls again, and Hezekiah gets a letter. Hezekiah gets a letter from the king of Assyria through the Rabshakeh. And I want to pick it up in chapter 19, verse 14. This shows shows Hezekiah's heart. This is the righteous man. And Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And went up to the house of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. It's probably on a scroll type thing. He says, Lord, did you read this? Did you see what this is? Hezekiah prayed before the Lord and said, O Lord, the God of Israel, are enthroned above the cherubim. You are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. That is praise. And we've said before we need more praise in our prayers. It's, you know, God needs the... He doesn't need it, but we need to praise God. He, he deserves the praise. But when we praise God... That helps us to understand he is God. He's above us and he's above all this, whatever's going on in my life or out there in the world. You you created it all. You're over all the kingdoms. We have to have that fixed in our hearts. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. How can you? I mean, can you talk to God that way? Lord, open your eyes. We know God knows everything, right? But He's just from the heart. Open your eyes. See, listen to the words of Sennacherib, which He has sent to reproach the living God because He's saying that God, you can't deliver us. That's what He's been saying. You can't deliver us. We're going to go down. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated the nations in their lands and have cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone, so they have destroyed them. He says, that's right. He's right. They, They didn't have, they just had idols. They didn't serve the one true God. Now, O Lord, our God, I pray. Deliver us from his hand. That all the kings of the earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Key aspects of this prayer. He went to God first. Again, he acknowledges God as the power in the universe over everything and everybody. He asks God to hear and see what is happening. He admits they are helpless and he asked for deliverance. All of that requires humility. Sometimes we kind of pray, but we're thinking on the, on the side that we're going to still try to do this on our own. It is up to us. Believe me, Hezekiah could not defeat the king of Assyria. They had nothing. They were besieged behind their walls. It's a great pattern for a prayer of crisis. So when you are in crisis mode, pull out Hezekiah's prayer and refresh your mind. Jumping over to verse thirty-five again. I like I said, take these three chapters home and read them. God delivers them. Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. Where would that come from? It was not an army. It was not Egypt. It was not Babylon. It was not the Persians. It was God. And when men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. What a story. What a story. You see, we read this and we say, oh, well, that was back in Bible times. Did you ever think that? That's back in Bible times. (laughs) Why do you think that? Is there anything ever written in Scripture that says, well, all these things are in Bible times, but it's all different for you now? Do you have that Scripture? I don't find that one anywhere. Chapter 20, verse 1. So that was the national problem. And Hezekiah took it to God, and he prayed... I think Isaiah was involved in that a little bit. You can read about this also in Chronicles and also in Isaiah. But God answered and he delivered them with a miracle. The power of God. Now Hezekiah has a personal problem. And this one's even more amazing to me than the one we just talked about. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. How would you like to get that word? The prophet of God. This is a word of the Lord. You're going to die. Get your things in order. Make preparation for you know, who's ever going to sit on the throne after you and you get your will in order and all this. This is God's word. How many of us would have simply accept that? I mean, I would think I would accept it. This is God's word from the prophet. You're going to die. Get ready. But Hezekiah didn't. We have to see that. This was the word of God. It wasn't just that he got a diagnosis of some uh, disease that was fatal or some uh, situation like that. This was the word of God. But Hezekiah wouldn't accept it. Verse 2. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now, he does point to his own faithfulness before God, but I'm not thinking he's not saying I deserve to live, but he's just pointing out that, Lord, would you please consider my life that I have lived before you? That I've served you faithfully and walked with you in truth and with my whole heart. And there's great weep. The, the footnote there in regard to the weeping says great weeping. Great weeping. He was really devastated that he was going to die. And I thought about my prayers and our prayers in general. Do we pray from the heart and involve the entirety of our being? When we pray about, are we really serious, dead serious, given to that prayer in that situation? Or do we just dust off a little one minute thing and say, Lord, please please take care of this? I got to go and uh, cut the grass or uh, watch the ball game or whatever. Are we really into praying? Verse 4, before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him saying, you know, we sang the song, wait on the Lord. You know, we do have to wait on the Lord. But there wasn't a whole lot of waiting here. Before he would left the building, return, here's the words of Isaiah, return and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of your father, David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Those are the kind of prayers we need to offer when there's a crisis, when there's trouble. Open up heart and mind and soul to God. God loves us, doesn't he? He has compassion on us. He knows we're dust. He knows what, what he made. He, he knows the situation now, especially because of Jesus has been here, who intercedes for us now, and he's gone through living in this body. We have an advocate. Behold I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Wow. There is a healing. There is an answer to prayer. Almost immediately. And you can see why I titled this lesson, Pray Like Hezekiah. Be the man, the woman of God that Hezekiah was, and pray like he did. But the whole heart, the whole body, the whole soul, when there is a need let's address the need in prayer to our God who is ruler of everything and anticipate the answer. Study this over. Learn from Hezekiah. Believe that prayer can change things. Because God can change things. And God wants to change things. We just have to bring it before God in a way that shows that we really want it changed. I think that's what it's about. That we really trust him. Pray expecting God To take care of the problem. If you're a Christian this morning. And your prayers have been rather feeble. Or maybe non-existent. Or maybe just casual. And here and there. I encourage you to develop this life of prayer. As we sang in the song. Did you pray this morning? Did you pray when this happened? Did you pray for this? Do you pray in this situation? Learn to depend, not just trust, but to depend on God for everything. Bring it to him in prayer. If you'd like for us to pray with you about something, we'd be happy to do that this morning. If you're struggling with anything, maybe it is your, your prayer life. Maybe Tim... Temptation is coming to you from Satan for other reasons. And we'd be happy to pray with you. If you're ready to obey the gospel this morning, as Hampton did last Sunday night, and give your life to Jesus Christ and die with him in the waters of baptism and be resurrected to a new life, we can assist you with that. I think we still have water in the baptistry that we didn't overflow it and mess it up too badly there last Sunday. You all didn't hear all... Every one of you didn't hear that story, but that's, that's for another day. So whatever your need might be, if you want to come now, please do. If you don't want to come forward, as always, you can come and talk to one of us, myself, Mike, Dawn, Rick, afterward, or give us a call. But please, if the Lord God has touched your heart through his word, don't put it off and don't wait. Brother Dawn.